0: Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after.
1: Well, good morning. Like Jacob said, my name is Kyle Cox and I'm very excited to be here. Just a little bit about me. Like he said, I uh, I was a college fellow for about two years and uh, moved on to the outreach department as a fellow for my third year and two months ago came on staff full-time as our Mandarin campus coordinator as well as an outreach department team member and so I love international students I love outreach and so if you're someone in the room who's just like man I just want to meet international students come talk to me after. Um, also Two weeks ago, I got engaged, so that's really exciting for me. This is uh, Chamila Panilla. That was the day we got engaged. Her name is Chamila Panilla, which is really awesome. I will change that in January to Chamila Cox, which is kind of a bummer for her. Um, but it's the reality we're in. So that's Chamila. That has nothing to do with the talk. I was just excited. <laughs> so we'll jump in. Um, thank you. In high school. I graduated high school in 2009. In all four years, I played football. Now, you look at me and you think, that guy played football? And you're not wrong to think that. See, I was on a six-man football team. Six-man, anyone? All right, good, the two, three in here. Great, so six-man football on a 1A team. In our team, we were in by far the worst district, and we were the worst team in the worst district. And on that worst team of the worst district, there was a worst player, and that was me, that was me. And I remember my freshman year, my coach, he's always like, sacrifice your body for the sake of the team, sacrifice your body. And I was, I just remember thinking, nah, I don't really wanna do that. And so I would, I would just kinda play, I'd go through the motions and I remember by the end of my freshman year, I was like, I'm done, this is not for me. And my assistant coach, he comes up to me and he says, Kyle, let's address the reality. Sure, you're weak, small short, unathletic. And I was like, all right, you got to suck into the point. But he says, if you work hard, if you go to every game, every practice, when you're a senior and when you're a captain, you will take this team to glory. And so you know what I did? I worked really hard. I went to every game. I went to every practice. I went to every workout, which, you know, didn't do a whole lot. And I went, went to everything. And you know what happened my senior year? I was just as bad, if not worse, than I was my freshman year. And my twin, see, I have a twin. He was, man, if I could compare us to anyone, it would be the Hensworth brothers. So... Uh, Tyler, my twin, was kind of like Chris Hensworth, arguably the more debonair, handsome one, um, arguably the bigger celebrity. You know, he plays Thor, he throws the hammer, mehem or whatever it's called. It um, just everyone knows Chris Hensworth, and I know what you're thinking. Are you gonna compare yourself to Liam? No, I'm saying I'm the third Hensworth brother <laughs> that no one really knew about. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being a senior, and my brother, Manny, That guy, (laughs) this is bad. They called him Kyle 2.0 because we're twins. And they were like, yeah, man, Tyler, you're a lot like Kyle. You're just a lot better at football than Kyle. And he was, you know, he was the quarterback and just really, you know, really talented, talented football player. And so uh, he has a, imagine me with a beard and that's him. That should tell you everything you need to know about him. So I remember one time Tyler, he grabs the ball and he's, excuse me, he's running. And then it happens, he gets hit. The ball just falls out of his hand right in front of me. And I know this is a fumble, first of all, for two laymen who may not know. <laughs> and I know I have an opportunity. I can grab that football and I can just take off running. But here's the problem. I have never, up until this point, touched the football <laughs> in an actual game. And I knew the second I grabbed that, that I'm a target so I'm a target to everyone who's coming after me. But I knew the reality was this. I had my teammates who know how to play, who are very skilled, talented football players. I mean, as skilled as you can be for a six-man 1A school. And I knew they would surround me. So I grabbed it. And I started running, and it was awesome. Like, in slow motion, there was two guys running next to me. Two guys running next to me. We, like, nod at each other, you know? it's an exaggeration. It didn't happen. But still, it's awesome for the story. And uh, I remember running directly from the end zone, and it was okay. There was nothing I needed to fear because I had these guys surrounding me. And so that was my football game. we, We didn't end up losing that game, so I didn't, you know, even if I made the touchdown, didn't do a whole lot. But the point is, why do I say that? Why do I say that? I say that because as Christians... As Christians, when we have been saved by the salvation that Jesus offers, then starts an exciting life where every day we have divine opportunities. And what happens is we look at these opportunities, we can make Jesus known. And what I've noticed to a lot of us or to a lot of the church today is we become fearful A lot of these opportunities are risky. A lot of these opportunities are opportunities to take a risk and make Jesus known. But what happens is we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to be awkward. Or sometimes they're dangerous risks. And so this could be as big as going overseas and taking the risk to go overseas for 30 years in the most dangerous country in the world. Or it could be just in your classroom, knowing that you have someone sitting next to you who you could build a relationship with but we're fearful. Why? Because, because it's uncomfortable. And so what happens is, as Christians, we see these divine opportunities. And we, we sometimes choose comfort over making Jesus known. And maybe we don't do it intentionally. Maybe, maybe it's not a, I don't want to make Jesus known. It's not that. It's just a, man, that, that's scary. That's weird. That's kind of awkward. And uh, I'm in seminary right now, and I'm in a class about the history of Christianity. And I'm studying about this early church, man. And the early church, they all came together in boldness. And it was incredible because they were being persecuted. They were being executed for their faith. If you were a Christian, you had a target on your back. And the chances were you were going to die. And what happened was, though, despite the fear, despite the risk, these Christians came together, and they made Jesus known throughout Europe. And it's incredible. And so I ask you, what if we, church in here, what if it just started in here that we went out this week, that we went out this year as freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, and we took risk to make Jesus known? So we didn't just sit in our impact camps preparing only for freshmen. We started preparing in our impact camps by saying, hey, let's not wait till the freshmen get here. Let's actually go out and meet people. I had a friend who texted me the other day. He said he just met someone at McDonald's and he's just now building a relationship with them just because someone was sitting alone in McDonald's. We have opportunities to make Jesus known. And when we forfeit these divine opportunities, we forfeit the call that Jesus has placed in our life to make him known. And know this, when you are saved, you are secure. You can never lose your salvation. You will be in eternity But when we are saved by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, man, that is just the start. Yes, you are secure, but there there is so much more to this relationship than just being eternally secure. That's obviously the reconciliation we have and, and standing in righteousness before God through Jesus, obviously the greatest thing. But he's saying, I want even more for you in this life. I want more from you. And so in Psalm 23 God is is illustrated as our shepherd, and we need to understand what the implications are for us. And so starting in verse 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his sake. Our first point is this, that our shepherd, God our shepherd, is provider. So the Lord being illustrated as a shepherd, it's a common theme in the Old Testament. He's illustrated that quite a bit, only... This is the only time it gets individual. So, for example, he's illustrated as a shepherd over a people group, a nation, a community, but it's always a group of people. And here, David, he's saying, You're not just the shepherd over a people group, you're my shepherd. And so, this psalm isn't how a community relates to God, it's how an individual, it's how you and I personally relate to God. And in our city-going lives today, it's, it's really kind of hard to understand the significance of David calling God shepherd. But David would have understood it because he was a shepherd. As a shepherd, you would man, you would spend all the, your time with your sheep. If you spend just hours away from your sheep, they had the risk of dying. Because one sheep jumps off a cliff, they all go, bah, and they all jump off a cliff. One sheep gets eaten, they, uh, they somehow all get eaten. They're, they're defenseless, right? They don't have horns. They don't have, I don't know, attack mechanisms. They're just little Fluffy marshmallows waiting to be killed, waiting to be devoured. And so when he says, You're my shepherd, he's saying, Man, I have a need. I need you, Lord. I need you. And so we recognize that we have a need. And then he moves and he says, You are the Lord, the, sh- the shepherd I shall not want. I started, as I read that, I first thought that meant I I won't desire, and I thought that was kind of weird, because I still desire things. I desire food. I desire relationships. I I have desires, but as I studied it more, the, the literal translation is I do not lack, and so what he's saying here is the Lord is my shepherd. I do not lack. In other words, I lack nothing because I have everything in you, so Whatever we do in the name of Jesus, whatever opportunities we take, whether uncomfortable or dangerous or awkward, even if our worst fears pan out, it's okay. Even if you lose your friendships over the gospel, even if you lose a relationship, even if it's uncomfortable or awkward, it's okay. Why? Because I lack nothing when I have you, Lord, when you are my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. There's a tranquility as God is our shepherd, there's a safety. I'm safe in you. I, I take comfort from you. He restores my soul. He gives me relief. And so G, our God as our great provider, the implication is we have nothing, we have nothing to fear. We, don't, we can go and we can jump on these divine opportunities knowing that he has us, knowing that he provides, knowing that even if we suffer loss, We have everything because we have him. So when I was reading this, I was thinking of my dog, Iris. Well, it's not my dog. Um, It's my parents' dog. She's the worst. Um, And so she's very pampered. They like fluff her up and they feed her wet food because for some reason she likes wet food over dry food. I don't get it. Um, They take her to the dog saloon or dog salon. (laughs) She's not drinking a beer in a saloon. Uh, (laughs) They take her to the dog salon. They, like, paint her nails for some reason, fluff her tail up. I mean, this dog is taken care of, like, hardcore. And yet, every time the door's open, Iris runs for it. She sees the door, and she's like, yeah, that looks good. And she runs for it. And I was thinking about us, and we do that all the time. God has provided all that we need, and yet we see this thing. We see this door open, and we're kind of like, nah, I want that. Now, I know you're good, I know you provide, but man, I just really want this relationship that I know will hurt me. I want this pornography, I want to be the best, I want to gossip, I want to rise my name to the top. Whatever it is, we see the door open and we run for it, even though he's provided all that we ever need. And so as he is our shepherd, he is our great provider. So moving on in the psalm. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So we're going to spend pretty much the rest of our time in this particular part of the verse alone. Um, So I want you to notice the switch of imagery here. So he started referring to God as, he, he starts off by saying, he... He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. But here the imagery switches. He says, you. He says, as I walk through the valley of the death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And it makes sense that we would start talking to God when we enter the valley, right? It makes sense that we wouldn't spend so much time talking about God, and rather we would actually talk talk to him. And so many of us, we talk so much about God, but we actually don't Talk to him, and so David here, as he's in the valley, he switches the imagery and he starts talking to him. And so this valley, um, there's a lot of different interpretations on what this valley can be. The most common interpretation is that this valley is symbolic for a lot of dangerous valleys. In the Old Testament times, shepherd they would lead their sheep through these dangerous, hostile valleys. Why? To get to better pastures. And so I want you to notice this here because it's so important. David is not saying. The sheep have just stumbled onto the valley. They didn't go, bah, and roll into the valley, right? They didn't just fall in there. David is intentionally leading his sheep through the valley. Now, why is that so key? It's key because God does the same thing with us. He intentionally says, hey, follow me into the valley and see what I can do. He intentionally takes us through the valley. He moves us into situations that are uncomfortable that are awkward, that are scary, or even dangerous. Man, he moves us into those situations. So our second point is this, that our God, the shepherd, he is protector. He is protector. So pause here. If you grew up in the church Think back with me. If you didn't, that's fine. Think back to when you heard these stories. But if you were like a kid in Sunday school, think back to when you learned about Moses, right? And he parted the Red Sea. Or Noah. And I remember as a kid, when I was in Sunday school, seeing pictures of Noah and like the animals were smiling and Noah smiling. They ignore the part where everyone else dies. Or uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego living through the fire. Or Daniel in the lion's den. Elijah calling down fire from heaven. And I remember as a kid, I was in such awe of God. I was like, man, this guy's like a superhero. You know, it's like a little kid. You're like, he can do anything. And it's funny. <laughs> there's, a, there's this little kid who, who like will call me. He's like a three or four year old. The guy who disciples me, it's his kid. He'll call me just to talk about superheroes. And he'll be like, hey, which is, who's better, Batman or Superman? And at the end, I always kind of jokingly just say, but you know who the greatest superhero is? It's God. And he's just like, what? You know, and blown away. And I remember as a kid thinking, wow, our God, he can do anything. But what happens as we start growing up, as we start progressing, these stories almost become children's stories, right? These are stories for veggie tales. These aren't stories for intellectuals. And what happens is we view these stories. And I think if we really think about it, we question whether these stories actually happened. We say we believe it, but do we really? Do we really believe that God used Moses to separate a sea? Do we really believe that? And what happens is we start talking about that God of the Old Testament. We say that God of the Old Testament was so powerful. That God of the Bible was so huge. And I'm like, bro, that's the same God who lives in you and me. He's the same God, the same God who used David and Moses and Jacob And Noah is the same one who lives directly in you and me. And in James chapter 5, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like yours and mine. And so what that tells me is this. These guys, they were just men. They were just men. I would even say we have something on them because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so what does this have to do with Psalm 23? It's this. If God actually does call us into these uncomfortable, awkward, dangerous situations, if we have that God living inside of us, then whom should we fear? What is it that we fear? If that God, the God of the Bible, the one that we say can do anything, then then why are we fearful to go through the valley? Why are we fearful to go through the valley? And you know what? Even if our Worse fears come true. Even if whatever we do and it's awkward or even if we get hurt comes true, man, what can they do outside of the sovereignty of God? There was a missionary overseas and there was a video of him. They had to completely hide his face, change his voice, they can't show him. And uh, he was talking about this time he was being beat, just overseas, he was being beat and tortured. And they asked him, where is your God now? And his response was, I tell you, you can keep beating me and torture, torturing me but you will not lay one more finger than my sovereign God allows you to. Man, that is faith. That is going through the valley and knowing what can man do to me because I know who lives in with me. I know who is with me. The risk is great. It is. Sometimes our divine opportunities the risk is great. But he says I'm worth the risk. He didn't say it was gonna be easy. The Christian life is, is exciting and at times it's uncomfortable and at times it's scary and at times it's dangerous. And so as the Lord leads us through the valley, do we trust him as our great protector? I think about um, this church, this college ministry. It sent out about 60 to 70 students overseas this last summer. Some of you in here probably were in those groups that went overseas. Um, and some went to countries that were even, It was illegal to share the gospel. It was illegal to say the name of Jesus. And throughout the process of these students going overseas, they have to raise support. And I see it every year, but what happens is people start saying, what if? What if you get sick overseas? What if you break an arm overseas? What if you, I don't know, what if this or that? You know what, you're raising support? You can't ask people for money, that's crazy. What are you doing? What if this? And I guarantee you, every one of those students who have come back would say, yes, the risk was great. But we came back and it was worth the risk. Man, I am so sick of people putting up walls over what God can do. Think about it. If all of us decided today we're going to be bold, we're going to take risk. Think about what we would see happen in this town. Think about what we would see happen over the world. If just this room, if we as Christians in this room banded together and said, we're going to take risks. So start finding comfort in the power that is inside of you. The one who says, I am your shepherd and I bring you through the valley is the same one of the Old Testament and he lives in you and me. Start finding comfort in these powers, power. And what happens, I feel like it's funny, what happens is sometimes we just, we intentionally avoid the valleys, right? We say, I really like the water. I really like the green pastures, but I kind of don't want to go into the valley. But, there should be a thrill to it, right? It should be exciting because it's like, all right, we're, we're not gonna, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know one thing. We are about to see God come through. An example of this, just yesterday, two of my roommates, Cody Inman, Alex Gersib, they, uh, they decided, hey, let's just go meet people in our neighborhood, and let's just build relationships with people in our neighborhood. And it was funny. I saw them outside. They prayed, and they came in, and they were kind of like, antsy and excited, and they're like, we don't know what's gonna happen. We'll probably have some people annoyed, but who knows, you know, and, and they went out, and it was such a fruitful time, and, you know, out of 30 houses, they only got two people who wanted to meet back up with them, but praise God, and it was just exciting, and I don't know if you've ever been a part of that, if you felt that, but for those of you who went overseas before Summer Project, I remember before I went, I was kind of like nervous and antsy and weirdly gassy and I I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's gonna happen, but it was exciting and kind of weird feeling and then you you just go and you let go. You just go and you say, all right, I'm gonna see what God can do. Don't let people put walls over what the Lord can do in your life. Don't let people do it. Because the shepherd guides you. And so whom should we fear? Um, the second point I want to make with God being our protector is this. Sometimes then, if we're not letting people get in our way of taking risk, our biggest, worst enemy is ourselves. We start looking at ourselves and we say, oh, not me, man. I, I have this thing. I don't know. I struggle in this area. I can't do this because of this. And we start, we start looking at ourselves and we're so hard on ourselves and then I think of Moses. Moses had a stutter. He said, no, don't send me, God. I can't, I can't do this. I, I can't speak. Look, I, 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 I have a stutter, you know? And he starts, starts saying, no, I don't want it. And God says, hey, 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 I made your mouth. I'm saying I messed up when I made your mouth? And then he says, no, I can't lead them. Make Aaron lead. Let Aaron lead. And then Aaron leads. And what happens? Poof, golden calf. God makes no mistake in choosing you. We all have disqualifications. I have one. You all have one. We all have them. But think how cool, think how amazing it'll be when the Lord uses us despite our disabilities, despite our disqualifications. Not to look at ourselves and think, wow, we're cool, but to look at God and say, wow, you did that despite me being a sinful person who has this thing. For me, it's OCD. I have OCD. Sometimes it's funny because I'll try to put the salt and the pepper right where I want it. And other times it's really hard. Other times it's really hard because I'll obsessively think about something and I, I just feel like I can't move forward and I'll, I'll look down on myself and think, God, why can't, I can't do this. I can't be in ministry. I have this issue and I have this problem. And he says, no, 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 I, I, I made you. I crafted you. I know you have this. You just trust me and let's go. And so the Lord makes no mistake in choosing you. So we gotta trust him. We gotta worry about today so many of us are worried about 40 years later when we have retirement. So many of us are looking to that day. We can just live a comfortable life. And so what, hap- what we find is we live this life comfortably. And then I have heard lots of stories of people looking back and saying, man, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. And so do we, do we trust him? Um, in my own life, I remember three years ago, um, the, college missions in, uh, the college missions pastor here, he discipled me the last two years. Um, he asked me to lead a small vision trip to East Asia, and I remember what I told him. I said, well, I'll pray about it when I didn't really intend on praying about it. I just wanted to sound spiritual, um, and I remember telling him, yeah, I don't know, and I was kind of nervous. Ten days seemed like a long time to me, you know? 10 days was like, "Ah, I just see I could miss Christmas. What if this happens? And I eventually went and I got back and I remember looking back thinking, okay, yeah, that was kind of hard, but man, I just saw God move in incredible ways. And then Marty comes back to me and he says, okay, now I want you to lead a team for six weeks, for six weeks. And I thought, oh man, I can't lead a team for, that's a long time. That's six weeks in a culture I don't know. I can't do this. What if I mess up? What if I get, and I started thinking of all these things. I don't want to raise support. I don't know what to do. And then I ended up going, and I came back, and I thought, man, looking back, God was incredible. God did incredible things. It was hard, yeah, but it wasn't too hard for the one who did all of this. It wasn't too hard for the God of the universe to move. And then Marty came back, and I was like, hey, Marty, I would love to do six weeks again. And he said, okay, hang on, hang on. What What if it was a year to two years, I was like, hang on a minute. Nah, okay. Now we're just joshing around. I kinda checked marked my mission stuff with that six weeks. I, I don't need to do a year and I started like thinking I'm freaking out. And then I came to the conclusion, you know what? I can sacrifice a year to two years of my life. And so now me and my fiance chamilla were We're going to go overseas with two of our best friends next year. And when we four hang out, we're kind of like excited. But again, we're kind of nervous and again, kind of gassy. And we're all like, what if this happens? What if this happens? We don't know what to do. We know we're going to freak out when we get there. But in the end, we know we will see the Lord move in incredible ways. And yes, it'll be hard. And yes, I will probably miss weddings. I will probably miss funerals. I'll miss my nephew and I'll miss my niece growing the next two years. I'll miss the, the aspect of them talking. When I get back, they're just gonna be bigger. But man, isn't it worth it to make Jesus known? Isn't it worth it to make Jesus known? I feel like I, I listen to people so much. I feel like I let people dictate the decisions I make so much. People tell me, you gotta think more responsibly. They say, you can't, you can't do that. You gotta think more responsibly. You could use, lose your job. You could lose your friendships. They say, you could get married, you could have kids. Are you gonna put your kids at risk? And all these changes happen. And I have to remind myself, no, no, no. My God stays the same, the same shepherd. He's the same today. He's the same God who used Moses. And he's the same God who lives in me. He's the same God. So I say, man, let's bring on the valleys. I say, let's invite them to come into our life. Let's bring it on because it's exciting. It's exciting, we're running out of time, so i want to move to my third point. Um, the last of the verse, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our shepherd is our great satisfier. What he's saying here is we live for eternity. We don't live for the few years we have on this world. We live for eternity. And so we can walk with all confidence knowing who walks with us. We can walk in all confidence knowing that God of the universe the one who created the universe loves us and lives directly in us and so in the midst of all the what ifs i'm at the point where i just the only what if i'm concerned about is if i die what if i die and i didn't live my life for the glory of jesus christ and in john chapter 10 10 verse 11 jesus says i am the good shepherd and so for you in here maybe you don't have that relationship with jesus And my hope would be this, that you would trust in the one who came to earth as fully God and fully man, who lived a perfect life, who died on a cross and rose from the grave, that he would make us righteous in the eyes of God. And my hope is that first you would trust in him. And then I would say, that's just the beginning, man, of an exciting, exciting life. The world needs Jesus. The world needs him and we can be the catalyst to make him known. We can be the ones that the Lord uses to make Jesus known. And so I tell you, in your impact camps, be the guy who says, hey, let's just go meet people in Sabisa. Be the person in your fish camp. I, I knew a friend in fish camp. She, uh, she was the only Christian in her group. And by the end of that six months or however long it is, Three of the friends came to know Jesus and two are now working at the Austin Stone and one now is overseas just because someone said, I'm gonna take the risk. Maybe in your fraternities, it's just going to your neighbor fraternities and building relationships with them. Or maybe this, I would challenge you, for you in the college ministry, maybe for you, it's going on summer missions next year, next summer. I'm telling you, it is life-changing and people will tell you, don't do it. You got you to take a class. You got to have an internship. You got to do this. We, you can't raise support. I don't know that many people. There's so many things people can say to tell you not to do it. But I am telling you, what if you did? What if you just said, I'm going to trust the Lord, and I'm just going to go, and I'm going to see what happens? Some of you are missionaries, and you don't even know it yet. That's what's incredible. Some of you are missionaries, and you don't even know it yet. And so I say, let's take risk. Let's look at our opportunities and let's jump on them. Because man, Jesus, Jesus needs to be known. The world needs Jesus. And so as we walk through the valley, whom shall we fear when our shepherd is with us? This is the last thing I'll say, Psalm 46, one through three. God is our refuge, our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives away, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is our strength. You rest in that power and you go in awe confidence this week knowing who goes with you. Let's pray. God, we trust that you are the God who created the world, who created the universe, who used Moses, who used, who did incredible things, who, who showed his power through these heroes of scripture, Lord. And we trust you did that with just mere men. You did that with people just like us. And so Father, I, I pray that we would rest knowing that you are the God, the same God who lives in us, Lord. And so Father, I pray we would walk in all boldness, God. I pray that we would walk in all confidence. Father, that we would take risks, that we would see these opportunities and we, we would jump on them, Lord even though we're, we're nervous and scared and even though it's uncomfortable, Lord, that we would trust you. God, that we would, we would trust that you go before us, that we would trust you go with us. And so, Lord, we, that is our prayer this week, God. I pray the people in our classes, I pray the people in our extracurricular activities, the people we interact with at McDonald's or Freebirds or wherever, God, would you give us Would you give us eyes to see the need? God, give us eyes to see the need. What I would have you do now is just take a moment or two and just pray. Ask God, what opportunities in your life now can you seize as divine opportunities? What areas in your life that would maybe be uncomfortable, maybe would be hard, maybe would be scary? What areas, what areas do you need to seize and take the risk Go ahead and take a minute and pray that now.
0: Hello, welcome to the Grace College Podcast. My name is Kevin Barra. My name is Jacob Smith. And uh, this is a great opportunity on the end of our our sermons to go a little bit deeper into the sermons and get a little bit of information about what our ministries look like here in College Station, Texas. So thank you so much for joining us. Fun week. Another fun week. Yeah, it was. was Yeah, we are finishing up our psalm series this couple weeks.
2: Yeah, it's pretty much wrapped up. We've got one more week at Southwood. This next week at Anderson, we're doing uh, baptisms. So we're actually stepping out of the psalms uh, and into water. That's how it's gonna flow, and it's gonna be really cool. I'm really excited.
0: It'll we've got a great. lot of lot of people lined up. Great, and it's been fun going through the Psalms. Um, really the, the, the songs of the Bible, and a, a great—I uh, don't know—it's been—it's been fun. The students have have responded well. It's been—we've gotten some great feedback, and and this week in particular, it was uh, we, we went kind of two different directions. Um, at the Anderson campus, they spoke about Psalm 23. At the Southwood campus, we spoke on Psalm 22, and. Uh, it was interesting, you know. In Psalm twenty-two is a a tough psalm, in that yeah. you are hearing the outpouring, the cry of of David during a very tough time. Really, you, you hear the anguish of David in the midst of a situation. And what's yeah. cool about it is you get the mirror of this psalm in Jesus on the cross. And and this psalm is. Uh, he speaks the very words of this psalm when Jesus is on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that is the very beginning of this psalm.
2: Right. Yeah, which some, I mean, some scholars, not every scholar, but some scholars would propose that that's even what Jesus is referencing is that while he's on the cross, it's not that he actually feels this sense of ho- hopelessness that, you know, every that, oh my gosh, you know, my father's forsaken me. But he's actually still referring to, in the midst of that, you know, uh, turmoil, he's referring to the fact that he knows that God's going to prevail. Because that's how Psalm 22 flows, is that you see right. the faithfulness of the Lord reiterated. But it's also, Psalm 22 is really cool in how it's arranged with the next two Psalms, which is something that you looked into a little bit, Kevin. What yeah. was the, what would you find about, like, just sort of the arrangement of 22 along with 23 and
0: 24? Yeah, so I was reading um, an article about this, and one... Um, one theologian believed that Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24 kind of work together hand in hand, and that in Psalm 22, you see the anguish of the cross. In Psalm 23, you see his peace in the midst of the cross. In Psalm 24, you see the enthronement um, of Christ in victory at the end. And, and looking at it in that context, whether or not that was David's intent is, is interesting to think about, because Psalm 23, so much of it is about peace in the midst of trial, um, at the beginning of Psalm 23, says, you, you lead me beside still waters. And then uh, in verse 4, it talks about, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're like, wait, 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 God, you're leading me through still waters into the valley of the shadow of yeah. death. Like, what's, what's that contrast? And, and really, that's, that's what you see on the cross. You see a moment when Christ is in the hand of the Father, even in the midst of great trial. And, uh, and then Psalm 24, you see his enthronement. And even at the end of Psalm 22, you see, I encourage you to go back and read it, you see hope in the midst of the struggle. Yeah. And I think that's the most important part of every, every midst in the midst of every Psalm, that you really have hope in the midst of trial. And uh, so I encourage you to go back and listen to him, think about it. Um, in in my presentation, Psalm 22, I really tried to talk about that there is hope in the midst of pain, even though there is a problem of pain, you actually can have hope um, because Christ's Laid himself down. He paid the payment of pain. He took pain on himself to bring to bring hope to yep. the rest of the world. Absolutely.
2: Well, yeah, and you know we're done preaching the Psalms almost, but man, I, I hope that yeah you continue to read the Psalms. They're yeah. just they're so rich. It's just it covers so many different love. Uh, so many different experiences in life. Um, again, just sort of a beautiful picture of you know, what does it look like to really live in this world as people of the Lord. So uh, we've got a really fun event coming up this month.
0: Yeah, transitioning to announcements. It
2: is. It's big. It's we've done it the last few years and I love it. Uh, and it's for our juniors and seniors in particular. So you know everyone's invited ish, but you know we really encourage seniors and juniors to consider uh, coming to this event, which is called What's Next. That's right. So it's on October 20th, 7 o'clock at our Anderson campus, uh, and you just get to show up. And essentially what happens is uh, you—we've tailored this event to basically uh, kind of help juniors and seniors, people who are looking at, you know, graduation is around the corner. We're, we're trying to help them just sort of better understand I mean, what do those next steps look like? Essentially answer that question of what's next that they're going to hear at the, around the Thanksgiving table and at Christmas from their sweet... That every their college sweet, student hears <laughs> <Their> <laughs> Now you're going to graduate. What's next? sweet, sweet grandparents, right? Whoever it is of like, what's next? And so uh, instead of just being like, I don't know, maybe grad school? <laughs> like you want... I've put myself in the Lord's the yeah, so right. He has not so, revealed it yet. Well, I believe in a sovereign God. <laughs> so uh, we we want to just sort of help broaden perspectives. And so we're going to have a lot of different professionals from a lot of different vocations uh, that are available to talk at these kind of little breakouts about this is what it looks like to be an engineer or a doctor or an accountant or uh, whatever, business owner. And, and this is kind of how I got started in this field. And, and this is how you can carry your faith into those places and into those vocations. Because uh, you know, that's where the vast majority of our students are headed. Right. Uh, we'll also have have representatives for uh, people interested in missions, like going inter- on international uh, missions overseas. Uh, we will have opportunities for people to hear more about seminary, like how does that look like? What does that look like? What's that process? We'll, uh, a lot of our staff will be available to talk about our fellows program. So if people are considering vocational ministry, uh, man, we we would love to talk with them about the fellows program, about what it looks like to I spend a few years working in a church with a lot of responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, getting to work towards seminary at the same time. Uh, we want to uh, just basically, again, just broaden people's perspectives. We're not trying to win people over to any vocation or any field, uh, but we just want to kind of better inform our juniors and seniors. Man, this is something that you could be a part of or this is a, a route that you could walk uh, this is some wisdom from people that are just a few steps ahead of you. Right. So, and It's October a great time 20th. to build
0: relationships. Great time yeah. to learn a little bit more about each one of those fields. So I encourage you to come out. That Once again, that's October 20th from 7 p.m. at our Anderson campus. Yep, that's so, it. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the Grace College Podcast. See you next week. Thanks.